falling too fast to prepare for this Tripping in the world could be dangerous Everybody circling as vultures Negative, nepotist Everybody waiting for the fall of man Everybody praying for the end of times Everybody hoping they could be the one I was born to run, I was born for this Welcome back. Episode 7 of Heart of the Order. I'm here with Greg Malik and Dre Fry. Um, since we talked to you guys last week, uh, a lot of players have been signing um, over the course of the last week. A lot of big-name players, actually. Um, Alex Bregman, six years, $100 million. Chris Sale, five years, $145 million. Paul Goldschmidt, five years, $130 million. Eloy Jimenez, the star prospect, Signs for six years, 40 mil, with two club options. Then we have Jacob DeGrom, five years, 137.5. And there's two options in that, correct, Dre? Yes, correct. All right. And then we got Blake Snell, the reigning Cy Young winner, for five years, $50 million. And then Justin Verlander is now the highest paid pitcher in the game on an annual basis, signing a two-year deal for $66 million, coming after – his six-year, $206.5 million deal. Guys, we, we've talked about this over the first six episodes of the Heart of the Order podcast. Um, is the system still broken? Why are these play, all these players signing now after Mike Trout comes out and signs a $430 million contract? What's, what's going on right now? Break it down for me here. Uh, well, first off, Hi, how are you? How you nice doing, Dre? You how you doing, Dre? <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit of an awkward lead-in, but you know, it just so many contracts. <laughs> I mean, we we have aw- we have awkward like endings all the time, so I kind of figured it's kind of it, it works bit. out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You guys gotta think. We've been talking about these contracts and all this money that isn't being thrown around for what six weeks now for a long time, mm. and now we sit here and leading up from the Mike Trout contract up until first pitch, and. There is literally, what, nine or ten different extensions. Uh, to be honest, I'm very happy because most of you guys are hearing about this. They've all earned this money. Oh, without uh, doubt. You know, yeah, and you look at you look at some of these guys. I think some of these, some of these guys are underpaid. I think some of them might be a little overpaid. Uh, but in the end, when you talk about these guys, guys like DeGrom, who won the side, not only did he win, he won it in dominant fashion. Like, you want to look at the win-loss record, like 10-11. If you look at win-loss record, then you don't know anything about how good this guy actually pitched last year. Uh, you look at a guy like Bregman, who is on the come-up, and it's just a steady incline for a World Series contender. And then you look at a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, who his first contract was severely underpaid, and now with him being acquired by the St. Louis Cardinals, He's getting his money right now. He got his big contract five years. Uh, what was one hundred thirty million dollars? Thirty million. Yep. Yeah, you look at you look at a guy like him, and you say, you know, he he earned every single dollar of that contract, so he's being paid for the past and what he can do in the future. Uh, you know, I'm very happy right now because you want to see you want to see all of these guys who have earned their money and then some get every dollar earned. Uh, now, what do you think here? How, how do you feel about these contracts? Well, first off, I, I just kind of want to say that um, the I believe the Associated Press came out today and said that for the second straight year in a row, average salaries are going down in Major League Baseball again. I believe they dropped to an additional $100,000. So uh, the idea of economic stability in baseball is still definitely prevalent. Uh, that's not something that we're going to shy away from. It's still there. 
I think a lot of these teams, the way that they're looking at it is that they saw how much of a hassle the whole free agent market was this past year. And I think they are kind of seeing it as a way of being like, okay, if I get presented an offer from my club and I think it's a fair offer, then I might as well take it. I also think that from a front office standpoint, I, I truly think it's the same concept that um, Derek and I have talked about in Two Beers Deep before, where, you know, guys who enter free agency, most time, more times than not, guys who are competing for your services and whatnot, they're not really franchise caliber players. Like, you know, it, it was kind of a rarity when Machado and Harper entered free agency. But at the same time, though, more times than not, a lot of these guys that are in the free agent market, they're not really core pieces for franchises. They're guys that, you know, have they've drafted, developed, and player scouted. But at the same time, though, they're guys that they don't want to commit money to. So it's the same principle that applies in baseball now, where these are guys that getting extensions, these are guys that clubs really want to keep for the long haul. We talk about Alex Bregman, we talk about Jacob DeGrom, we talk about Paul Goldschmidt, we talk about Blake Snell. These are guys that are core central pieces to the franchises that they are a part of. So it's the same logic that applies in any of the pro sport franchises. If you are a valuable piece to a franchise, you're gonna get a fair extension in some regard, I mean, we could argue about, you know, Brandon Lowe and Eloy Jimenez and Blake Snell. I have a huge problem with Blake Snell's contract. I was going to ask you. Yeah, you yeah. but, you, but you in terms of, of guys are oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Right, sorry. In terms, sorry, but in terms <laughs> of like, but in terms of the principle of the matter, where it comes to guys signing contracts, it, it's the same thing in any of the sport. If you are considered a franchise core piece, you're going to get paid because the franchise itself knows they're not going to be dumb enough to let you test the market. The difference that happened last year with Machado and Bryce Harper was that for Machado, he already got traded. The Dodgers didn't necessarily need him. So it was kind of like, okay, go test the market. For Bryce Harper, it was like he had a career down year and the Nationals had players ready to take over that mantle. So it was kind of like these are these were otherworldly talents right there, but they weren't necessarily pieces that were needed for the franchises that they were with. So that, that's kind of the, the differing opinion here. So I'm not ready to say that baseball's economic model is fixed, but it is nice to see guys that are considered stable pieces for franchises get the money they deserve because that, that's something that really in any sport you want to see. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anyone who would think that Mike Trout didn't deserve the contract that he got. I mean, he's he's one of the most you know pro typical type guys out there. He's the franchise guy, and he went out and he got the biggest contract in MLB history. Um, but I mean, on this list that we that we have talking about, are any of these guys do you think underpaid? I mean, like you kind of yeah. you kind of mentioned Blake Snell. Yes. Yeah, I, when when Alex Bregman's <laughs> yes. numbers first came out, I thought he was getting under underpaid, and he, I mean, he's still a younger guy as well. But I mean, your guys' opinion, I mean, who who on this list is is underpaid? Do you think? Well, first thing I'll say with with Bregman, that's a different, that's an interesting thing because they still have Correa and George Springer. They're going to have to give big money to. So I mm-hmm. think with Bregman, it was kind of like, you know what, um, we'll give you your money, but at the same time though, like we have to like think about the rest of these guys that we're going to have to pay out eventually. So uh, credit to the Astros in that case. But Blake Snell, the American League Cy Young winner. <laughs> Getting a five-year, fifty million dollar contract is an absolute shame. An absolute shame, especially when you compare it to the National League Cy Young winner who gets five years, 130, what was it, 137.5 mil, I believe yeah. it was. Yeah. Like, my 
God, he made about 80 million more for the exact same amount of time. This is one of the most ridiculous comparisons I've ever seen. It's kind of like with the, the raise our low ball offers at the same time. But I mean, if I'm Blake Snell, I'm pissed off now. I think he was yeah, pissed off before pissed he got off. that contract. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like you're essentially because we talked about this with Brandon Lowe and Eloy Jimenez. Like this is kind of comparable to contracts that are the young guys that come up. They haven't really hit their stride in Major League Baseball, but it's smart front offices that are essentially trying to bank on future contract earnings and are being like, okay, let's keep the cost down right now. Blake Snell, though, this is a guy who won the Cy Young last year. Yeah. This is a guy that was the absolute leader of that team and was a night was a reason that they got to 90 wins last year the fact that he's making only 50 million dollars especially after today when kyle hendricks got paid and we ran i ranted about this in the post show kyle hendricks does not deserve to get paid that much money he does not deserve <laughs> to make more money he doesn't like he doesn't deserve 13.75 mil per year it's crazy no no absolutely not over blake snell who's making 10 mil a year absolutely not and it's I not was... even close I will say this about Blake Snell, who uh, was exceptional last year. Uh, not only is he underpaid, it's criminally insane that he would even sign this contract. And he should honestly look at his agent and fire him because the fact that he could not get anything more than essentially $10 million, $10 million per year, uh, I think is an absolute travesty. You're talking about a pitcher who not only won Cy Young as age 25 season, mm -hmm. uh, which to put in perspective – the American or the National League Cy Young winner, Jacob DeGrom, he won Rookie of the Year in his age 26 season. So that's just that should tell you exactly how far along he is mm -hmm. in his career trajectory. But he won 21 games, 21 five last year, which is you know wins and losses, and it's a it's a stat that doesn't really matter for pitchers. But for me, what sticks out the most is his 1.89 ERA in the American League. His lights that's, out. Lights out. That's unheard of. That's absolutely unheard of. And we're talking about a guy also who got hurt last year and he missed a handful of starts and he came back and it's like he never even left. He came back on the mound. He absolutely dominated. He's easily one of the best lefties. He's easily one of the best pitchers in the league already. And he's only going to get better because he is only 25 years old. Guys, $10 million a year for a Cy Young winner, a 25-year-old Cy Young winner, it's absolutely insane. And for someone like me who is a Pirates fan, I hate to see this for someone like Jameson Tyon because you want to keep your pitching. You want to keep it as long as you can. But they're going to see that contract, and they're going to lowball him. And I know he's not going to accept it because he knows what his value is going to be. So see, that yeah. sucks. And it sets I, I disagree. It's I, I disagree with you from that point because Blake Snell is also younger than Jameson Tyon. I think it's, it's better. It's not by much. It's a year, it, it, two years. It might not be by much, but if you compare the two contracts between DeGrom and Blake Snell, I think Tyon might kind of sit like somewhere in the middle. Well, he's going to have to get the middle. Yeah, I, I'd say the middle is probably going to be where he's going to get. But even Tyon, for instance, he's not going to try to get a long-term extension. He's already came out this, during the offseason or during spring training and essentially said, we haven't talked about it. And honestly, I think he's going to do Corey Kluber's method and just go for the one-year contracts consistently because that's honestly the smarter thing to do. Or is it It's Trevor Bauer? Who has yeah, the, Trevor yeah, Bauer. Yeah. Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, sorry. Yeah, the Trevor Bauer method of the one-year deal. Um, I, I'm surprised that a lot of these extensions happen because I thought more people would go for the Trevor Bauer thing. But at the same time, though, it's kind of like with Nolan Arenado's extension where he gave himself an out before the CBA expires. 
don't know how many of these guys give themselves outs to make sure that when the new CBA happens that they can reset their contracts if they want to, but I, think, I understand their logic with it. I think it's only Jacob DeGrom. His, his out is a player out. His first option is uh, 2022. That'd be the year after the CBA expires. So Okay. Yeah. Well, but he's still setting himself up to take, adva- take full advantage of that CBA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't blame him there. And then the second option is 2024. It's a team option. But, uh, guys, I'm also of the mindset that Jacob DeGrom got a little underpaid. Uh, I understand he got $27.5 million per year, but you're talking about a guy who's absolutely dominating. Again, uh, wins and losses, weird stat, whatever. But you look at all of his other pitching stats, and you're talking about a 1.7 ERA, as well as the fact that if you watch any Mets games last year, you would know that they when he got his wins or when he was on the mound, they didn't score and they blew every single lead possible and lost as many close games as I've ever seen a team with their ace on the mound. It was absolutely incredible to watch him pitch, and it was even more incredible to watch the Mets just blow it for him. Again, wins and losses don't matter. Again, for anybody who knows how pitching works, that's exactly how it goes. But when you sit there and you go for adjusted ERA, it's still absolutely incredible, 1.99. Uh Oh, wait, that's FIP. For those who don't know what they are, it's fielding, independent pitching. Again, these are all advanced metrics. Sabermetric lesson, folks. Sabermetric Saber lesson. Yes. you got to learn your sabermetric because that's the way the game's going to go. And the sabermetrics really determine value of a player. And there's good ones or bad ones, but FIP is a very good one to determine the value for a pitcher. And 1.99 is incredible. And for him to do that last year, to pair with a 1.7 ERA, uh, he also struck out 269 people. Like, he should not have gotten $27.5 million. When you have Verlander, who's in age 37, getting $33 million. All right, that, that well, leads- well, Dre, Dre, well, Dre, I want to pose this question to you, because looking at Snell and DeGrom for both of them getting underpaid, do you think maybe both of them kind of looked at it and said because of how pitcher contracts are still continuously going up that they still maybe thought, okay, we can make a little less right now, but we still have years ahead of us where we'll make as much money as some of the starters that we have above them because Scherzer is significantly older and he right now is the highest paid pitcher in baseball. So, I mean, until Verlander, I believe today, but yeah, it's kind of the same logic though. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that if they, if these two guys would have hit free agency, Blake Snell, especially Blake Snell, him being 25 years old, and Jacob DeGrom, uh, you would definitely have seen, they would have seen the money, they would have, they would have seen the money that would have been owed to him. Because uh, the only counter argument for that, it's not Dallas Keuchel, uh, who has a qualifying offer tied to him, so he's drafted compensation. It's, Patrick Corbin, who got six years, $40 million right off the bat. And I bet if he would have waited a little bit longer, he could have gotten a little bit more if he got in a bidding war with some other teams. Like, he signed He signed he was one of the, before he the was winter one, meetings even happened. Yeah, he was one of the first players to sign, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, and Patrick Corbin was, yeah. yeah. If these two guys if these two guys hit free agency at the same time, I guarantee you see a bidding war between the Yankees who needed pitching – and the Red Sox, who could use more pitching, I know they got a lot of it already, but they could use some more. Uh, guys like the you know teams like the Phillies, like if they're gonna go out there and sign Bryce Harper, understand that their weakness is still starting pitching. 
uh, they could go out there and grab a guy like DeGrom or a guy like Blake Snell. You know, the Dodgers were willing to pay for pitching as well. And they were one of the ones who called the Mets last year about Jacob DeGrom's availability to see if he's going to be traded. We obviously know that. We obviously know now that he's not going to be, he's going to be a Met for the long term. My point is, is that if these two guys go out there and hit free agency, it could be same time, different time. It doesn't really matter. You're talking about teams that will pay for pitching because that's how you win. You can develop pitching, but if you're going to go out there and grab your starting pitching, it's gonna it's it's gonna go it's gonna go a long way, especially established starting pitching, because we know the pitching takes a long time to develop. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a crazy week of contracts and <laughs> signing, and as opening day approaches, two days away, guys, we're recording this um, Tuesday evening. Uh, opening day is Thursday, guys. How excited are you? Like, are you are you are you pumped right now? Um, I'm so I'm. So- I'm so excited! I completely forgot that the season already started in Japan last week. I mean, yeah, yes. we, you always forget about that. <laughs> we, we were talking to our, our fearless leader Derek, and uh, he's just like, uh, "Opening day is this week." Like he he texted me like the same day of the Japan series, and I'm like, "That doesn't count. Like you can't count that. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Like American soil opening day is the best." Um, By the way, yeah. uh, I do want to say this. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna shout him out. Uh, one of the <laughs> greatest. It. One of the greatest I've ever seen do it. Uh, Ichiro Suzuki walking out on top in his home, on his home soil. Uh, you know, that's that's awesome. To me, he's one of the three greatest hitters I've ever seen in my life. He's probably one of the three greatest hitters, in my opinion, of all time. Uh, and he's easily the greatest imported player that I've ever seen. Like, we'll say, we can say Japanese import. We can even go okay. to Dominican. He's, he's the greatest. He's the greatest that's ever came from foreign soil. And I will debate that because... You can't have a guy hit 1,000 hits in Japan and then come over here with all his hype and not only live up to the hype but exceed the hype and get 3,000 hits over here. He's first foul Hall of Famer. He's, he was incredible. Is he the only, like, Japan player that actually lived up to the hype? Like, you have all these players. Like, I mean, the, the one that comes to my mind is Daisuke. Like, he had so much hype surrounding him when he came over. Or like you have a Hideki Matsui. I don't know if he had a lot of hype when he came over, but like you have all these, oh, yeah. you have all these Japan well, uh, players. Do you, you think he was the only one to live up to the hype? I will say that he was the only one to live up to the hype, but it's important to know that if it wasn't for him living up to the hype, we would not have the amount true. of Very Asian true. talent in baseball right now. Because if Ichiro did not succeed, then you would not have seen the amount of effort and scouting and talent development that goes into going over yeah. in Asia by a lot of these teams. So Ichiro was a pioneer from that standpoint. He opened up doors for the game to a lot of Japanese talent that might not have happened if he didn't come over and succeed as well as he did. So in terms of that, not only is he a first ballot Hall of Famer for what he did on the field, but in terms of what he did off the field and essentially introducing the American audience to Japanese baseball, He's going to be remembered for that. He basically opened yeah. the floodgates. I mean, that's what he, it was, He did. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you got to shout out Heidi Onuma because he was here first. Yep. Uh, he paved the way for Ichiro, but Ichiro just took the torch and he took it a whole – he ran with it. He took the he took the game to a whole new level when it came to the game of Japanese imports. And then you see guys like Daisuke get, you know, bid on for millions of dollars before he decides a contract. Guys like you, Darvish, you're absolutely right, Greg. He, he – paved the way for guys like that and paved the way to letting us know that 
baseball is 100 percent you know it's it's a it's a worldwide sport it's not it's not football it's not basketball it's about the best athletes some of the best athletes that you can find on a baseball diamond Belmont is here in the United States and you gotta tip your cap fees you wrote for that so yeah congrats oh, yeah. I mean he was one of the greatest players to watch I mean he I grew up watching him. I mean, he's been there since I started watching baseball. So, you know. Also introduced the drag bun to American yes. society, which yes. you can always, always say could is you, a could, big thing. I mean, could you like Claire, could you like his swing is basically like a drag hit? Like, could you say that? That is true. It's a slap <laughs> hit. It's a slap <laughs> hit, essentially. Yeah. It, it was a slap hit. He yeah. introduced the slap hit. And like, it, he got three, I almost say he got 3,000, but it really helped him a long way. Oh, a long yeah, way. A long way. <laughs> um, all right. Perfected hitting. Uh, so we we are a couple days we are two days here away from uh, opening day, but we here at Heart of the Order still have one more preview in our back pocket. It's the, the last one. the last division um, in the Major League Baseball. Uh, Dre, Greg, I know you guys have been waiting for to unleash your knowledge on this division. Um, so I'm going to hand the reins over to you guys. The NL Central, uh, take it away, guys. I mean, we'll start with the Milwaukee Brewers, 98-67 winners of the division last year. What do you think? All right, so I'm going to start off right now that uh, the Milwaukee Brewers essentially live and die by this offense. Uh, this lineup is probably one of the best in baseball. Um, what all can you say about Christian Yelich? Essentially became an MVP, MVP caliber player last MVP. year. MVP. <laughs> all you can say about him, man. He became a just a marketable face after getting out of that hellhole in Miami, and that's all I can say. Uh, Jesus Aguilar is a big power bat that kind of is akin to Prince Fielder, except right-handed. Uh, if you look at the rest of this offense, though, this offense is also underrated from a lot of their contributors, too. I love Travis Shaw. I think he's a, such an underappreciated player in that lineup that I think he's going to get some love this year. Mike Moustakis came over in the trade deadline last year and was a big bump for them. And you always forget about Ryan Braun, too. He may not have the power that he used to, but he's definitely someone to look at. And for me, guys... The free agent signing of the season and is going to actually do a huge, huge role for them, potentially making the playoffs. Yasmani Grandal. Yep. This is a guy. This is a guy who was a huge contributor last year for the Dodgers and helped that rotation a lot. And this is a guy that is going to be needed so much because this rotation is just. It's not that good. <laughs> Sorry, it is not that don't, good. Don't apologize. Really this, this, this team lives and dies by their offense, and they are an injury away from being under 500. They really yes. are. Yeah. Yes. It, and sorry, Matt. I don't mean no, I'm, I'm just so excited. I, I really am excited. Uh, because simply be, simply put, uh, this is last, not because we're Pirate fans. This is last because, again, you know anything about baseball, and you look at this team, top the, not this team, you look at this division, top to bottom. Hands down, far and away, most competitive division in baseball Without right now. And you can look. We're going to point to each and every team, and right now you're hitting the nail on the head when you talk about the, talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. Their lineup is stacked from top to bottom. Aguilar came out of nowhere. Last year, put on a clinic with the tower. It was insane because, again, out of nowhere, no one saw it coming. Rondall, great signing. Travis Shaw, professional hitter. Uh, Orlando Arcia, he's not that great of a hitter, but he's a really good defender. And Yelich, you talk about the MVP, who they're pairing out there with Lorenzo Kane, who is solid in center field and also solid atop that lineup. Uh, pitching is a weakness, but they have another glaring weakness, in my humble baseball opinion, and that is also 
their defense. Uh, when you take a guy like Travis Shaw and you take him out of his comfort zone at third base and you put him at second base, that can only pose problems. And they tried to do it last year, you know, when they traded for Moustakis. And it worked, and it got them to the playoffs, but they got there simply because of the fact that their offense was insane with a guy like Christian Yelich, who was also raking this spring, and I only know that just because he popped up on my TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> He's still hot. He's slugging 450 this, sling, this spring, guys. Uh, this is a tough team. This is a real tough team. And they're starting pitching, again, as their glaring weakness, and you need starting pitching to win, but – if they can get the same stuff they got out of their bullpen last year, you don't need any starting pitching. Josh Hader, lights out. Kniebel, lights out. Jeremy Jeffress, lights out. That was a bad, bad 7-8-9 combo. And a guy like Hader, who was proven to give you multiple shutdown innings, they only need five innings. Can't ride that all year, but they only need, to, they only need their starters to go five innings to keep it competitive. If they can do that, the offense will take it over. This is a scary team. So, I mean, just kind of after hearing your guys' opinion, I mean, do you think that they have enough starting pitching and enough offense to do what they did last year? I mean, they were two wins away from 100 wins. Um, do you think they have the, the talent to do that again, even though they don't have the starting pitching? Not with uh, this division the way it is, because it, it's a really tough division. Um, I think the winner will probably be the first team to get to 90 to be okay. honest with you, okay. I think this is a really, really hard division for them to get to 100, especially because the Reds have improved and we'll get to them later. So that's not really a, a doormat that you can beat up on. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Andre alludes to this a lot. Pitching will win you championships. And right now, this team is completely built by their offense. And when you don't have the pitching or defense to help you with that, I, I think they're going to take a step back this year. I don't see them repeating as division champions. I don't either uh, for the simple fact that they don't even have the they don't even have the assets to go out and acquire the starting pitching needing that if they are in it by July 31st that they can say, hey, take our top prospects and take all these guys and give us your ace. A guy like Marcus Stroman, who I expect to be available come trade deadlines. They can't they can't acquire him. Right, your number one, your number, your number one trade target is going to be Keystone Hira, and there's no way they want to give him up because he's going to be a huge piece for them when Mustakis moves on eventually. Yes, and you know after that they don't have anyone else in the top 100, so they have no farm system. So they're relying strictly on the fact that they're going to be healthy, that their offense is going to just carry them, and that their pitchers, their starting pitching is going to give them, it's going to keep them competitive. It's going to be tough in this division. It's just, it's extremely deeper than it was last year. For them to win 98 games, it would be an absolute miracle. It's very dangerous to have your entire team built on offense. Yeah. It it is. I mean, yeah, if you don't have any starting pitching and you can't get through the first three or four innings, you're going to kill your bullpen. And, I mean, sometimes you're going to get hitting, sometimes you're not. So, I mean, that's what the Brewers are kind of depending on this year, and we'll see how it works out. But, uh, guys, tell me what you think about the Cubs. They went 95 and 68 last year. They finished one game out of first place, one game behind the Brewers. Um, Chris Bryant's back. What do you got? Well, the, when I said that they are an injury away from going below 500, the Cubs were essentially the example of that last year, except <laughs> yeah. not to it, not to an extreme degree. Uh, injuries, man. This was a team that just really got hit hard with them. Bryant missed a lot of the season last year, and uh, he is the cornerstone of that team. 
Uh, Wilson Contreras, who was a guy that a lot of people thought was going to take a big step this year, just did not show up last year. Uh, he has all the tools you want for an elite catcher. Uh, Rizzo kind of didn't really have as great of a year as we all thought he could, but I mean, the bright spot for this team, man, Javi Baez. Javi? Javi. Javi. Javi is Javi is exactly what they wanted Starling Castro to be like, but he is just far superior than that. This dude is a five-tool infielder that can do everything. He has a swagger about him that probably angers a lot of traditional baseball fans, but he's fun to watch. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, looking at this team and the rotation last year too, they really took a hard hit when they lost. Um, when they lost, I believe it was you Darvish, uh, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When they lost, you Darvish was their big uh, free agent signing last year, and he did not pitch as much as they would have liked him to this year. And this is this is a strong rotation when everyone's healthy. John Lester, Jose Quintana, Cole Hamels, Kyle Hendricks. Even though I hate his contract, <laughs> but at the same time though. <laughs> Like when you, if this rotation is healthy, this is a team that should win the Central this year. And it, it's just, it, it just, they were snake bit last year. I don't know how to explain it, but this is a team that I personally think should win the division this year just be, by their depth alone yeah. and by the fact that I think they are going to come back ready to show that they are not a one hit wonder. Yeah. No, I, it, yeah. Go ahead, Dre. Go ahead, Dre. Oh. Man, no, Mac. After you, man. I, I could talk about <laughs> I, this team all day. After I, you. I mean, like, I mean, just, just from what you just said, Malik. I mean, you're not even you, like Addison Russell's not even in the conversation. Kyle Schwarber. You're just adding to their depth again. Um, I mean, guys that were a part of that World Series run that weren't really a factor last year. I feel like. I mean, the depth just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. Um, but I agree. I think they could be the division winners this year as well. Dre, go ahead. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> short short to the point, man. <laughs> no, uh, Cubs, in my opinion, on paper, they have the best five-man rotation in the in the NL Central. Uh, when you can throw out a, a former signing winner, John Lester, as your quote-unquote ace, and then I know you don't like Kyle Hendricks, but uh, I actually like Kyle Hendricks. He's not the strikeout type pitcher, the overpower pitcher. He's more of the Greg Max type where he's going to beat you with control and beat you by hitting his spots. And, you oh, know, he's you a ground got, ball pitcher. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to appreciate that. Uh, you know, and then Cole Hamels, I also believe, has a Cy Young under his belt. So they got two, yeah, two Cy Young winners in there. And, you know, the bullpen's okay, but I look at this offense and I see their bench. I know they're deep. They honestly. I think if the Cubs lose this division, it's not because of injuries like it was last year. It's because they honestly underperformed and just completely failed as a team. And you don't know what the dynamic is in there, but you see all this talent that they have that isn't even going to start. They have Ben Zobris, who is a Swiss RV knife. He can play anywhere from the outfield and the infield as well. They move him all over the diamond. Uh, you have a guy like David Bode, David Bode, who came in last year and – when there was injuries, he came in and he kind of, you know, helped ignite them, helped push them further to the playoffs. And then you have a guy like Ian Happ, who I personally think should be starting, but they don't have a position for him, and that's what kind of sucks. Uh, the whole cut in this entire Cubs, uh, Cubs lineup is about the it, – it's – it's the fact that they have Jason Jason Hayward getting he's getting paid 184 million dollars and he doesn't deserve a dime of it. Ever since he signed that contract, he's been absolute garbage. He's been trash. 
He can't. He can't hit for power. He's a right. He's a right fielder. Dre's he, ran of the week. Plays, <laughs> Dre's uh, of the week. He plays Gold Glove defense, but you know you're not gonna pay eight. Uh, you're not gonna pay thirty-five million dollars a year or whatever. I can't. I'm not gonna do the math. We all know it's not thirty-five million dollars. But the point is, is like he's useless for this team, and he's taking up so much. He's taking up so much money for them, and because this quote-unquote salary cap the invisible cap that there is, they can't go out there and acquire the right pieces to help them, you know, put this team to the next level. Like everyone's talking about the Cubs to sign Bryce Harper, but you knew deep down it was never going to happen because of the fact that they paid all this money to Jason Hayward, who has not lived up to his contract at all. And then you have Kyle Schwarberg left, who's a great hitter. But, you know, if he's not in the homers, he's not really doing anything. He hits for, you know, hits for power, but, same time he plays horrible defense and that kills them as well uh this team just honestly if they don't they don't do it because you look at guys like hobby who was very fun to watch i'm a big hobby fan i must say and it sucks to say the pirates fan but he just plays a game with so much fun and he's so good guy like chris bryant who's finally healthy and a guy like rizzo who is very solid i think one of the more underappreciated first basemen in the league uh when you have guys like that that can make up for the deficiencies of Hayward in the lineup and Schwarber on defense, uh, I honestly feel like if they don't win this division, it's all it's all on them. It's all on them just not performing. So the capabilities of some of these guys are it's also on them for making just terrible decisions and adding the wrong pieces <laughs> to the right core. <laughs> guys like Hayward should not be on that. <laughs> to touch and to touch hey. on this too, uh, you mentioned this in the Brewers preview too. But this is another team that is screwed if they have to go out and become buyers because essentially they they basically gutted their entire farm system to win during their World Series run. So yeah. now their most valuable pieces are probably but they over and half. They, they did. On. They did. But their most their pieces that most teams are going to want are probably going to be either Schwarber or Addy or Hap even. Like they're or not long term pieces or Bodie. Like these aren't long term pieces, but these are guys who play significant roles for that team. So I mean that could really screw them over, especially when the season progresses. And then you have you have whispers, and they're not they're not really rumblings or anything, but you have whispers of this. But you don't know. Everyone's talking about Chris Bryant's free agency for some reason. I don't understand why, because I'm pretty sure he's like three, maybe two years away from even reaching free agency. I understand if he hits free agency, he's going to be one of the most sought after players. But you should not be talking about that because that's three years down the road. Their window is now. Do you think he would really leave Chicago though? People, people said, people said yes because of the fact that. Chris Bryant's is, or Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper's his best friend. Said he maybe he wants to play with Bryce. Yeah, but I mean, everyone uh, said Bryce would go to Chicago. That's what I mean. I think <laughs> he's still somewhat snake bit after what happened his rookie year True, when the, they kept him down. Yeah, yeah with, with with keeping him down to work on his defense yeah. when he even was quoted saying, "I probably got three ground balls during my entire time." Yeah, I think he's still, I think he's a little snake bit about that and kind of still holds a grudge. But at the same time, though, this is a guy who is when healthy, he's an MVP candidate. But, I mean, like, he's not the best third baseman in baseball. I think Arenado is, but he could get a contract very similar to Arenado if he really, if he's healthy this year. Yes, when he's healthy, he just rakes. He's absolutely incredible to watch. He's scary in that lineup. He helps carry that team. And it's funny that he's snake bitten because you're talking about a team like the Chicago Cubs who won't hesitate in any slight to give a guy like Jason Hayward $184 million. 
this is a team I did not expect to actually go out and acquire Paul Goldschmidt. More than anything, I was scared. I was so scared to death that they were going to sign Manny Machado because they had Carpenter first. I'm like, oh, they're going to go get Manny. He's going to put up these unworldly numbers, and it's going to suck because he's going to sign a 10-year contract. But no, you know what they do? They do the complete opposite <laughs> and go get the other star that no one's talking about because of Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are free agents. They sell <laughs> – they take all their prospects, and they took their prize-catching prospect and Tyler Flowers, and they're like, you know what? We're going to go get the guy that everyone's going to get. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. And then they trade their other one of the top pitching prospects and Luke Weaver. They go out and acquire Paul Goldschmidt. It's like, oh, man, you know. The, the, it's just between that and then Ozuna last year, and then they even signed Dexter Fowler, who isn't the greatest hitter, but he plays solid defense, and – Again, him being in a Cardinals uniform, he'll probably just hit 300 as well and knock in another 20 numbers. <laughs> I, this team's going to win the division, and you know why? Because it's just vintage St. Louis Cardinals. Wait, who's going to win the division? You, the, the Cardinals or the Cubs? The, Cardinal, the Cardinals are going to win the division. Okay. I'm convinced of it because not only do they have the good offense, and they made the, they made the moves that no one would really expect them to make to bring this team back uh, – when you get back to when you get to that back end, of, when you get to the back end of the games, uh, if Andrew Miller is your setup guy, uh, that should that should say a lot because when he was and we were just talking about this cut the Cubs World Series when he was mowing guys down two to three innings at a time for the Cleveland Indians, he's now in the St. Louis Cardinals uniform and he's their setup guy. So Jordan Hicks, who of course Jordan Hicks throws the fastest, he throws the hardest ball. The hardest baseball major league, in the major leagues right now at 106 miles an hour. No one's going to be able to catch up to that. Which, by the way, I, I actually think Jordan Hicks is going to take a step back this year because really I, I think last year was just kind of a fluke. I, this is a guy that bumped up all the way from single A like with no with no. no preparation whatsoever. I really think that the rest of the league is going to catch up to him. I Malik. really do. Man, I'm sorry, man. I do. You, you don't apologize to me. You need to look in the mirror and apologize yourself. Man, I'm sorry, man. I don't see it. I don't see it, man. I think Jordan Hicks is going to suffer from Trevor Rosenthal syndrome. They're the, they're the New England Patriots of Major League Baseball. They're everything that you want in a franchise, and then some, and all they do is win. And you hate it, but you have to respect it. Yeah, and it sucks so bad. That's a great. That's a great comparison, actually. I know, I know your feeling as a Bills fan. I know your feelings, guys. I know your feelings. Yeah, that's crazy. But... That's a, Mac, that's essentially how we feel. Yeah. That is exactly yeah. what you we're have to going through. It. We have Buffalo Bills syndrome. You have to. So they're gonna have they're gonna have the MVP and Paul Goldschmidt, and then they're gonna have the side co side young winner in Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty. They're both gonna win because it's so St. Louis Cardinals. Trey, you're fired so. up tonight, man. It's the central, man. The baseball's two days. Yeah, away. you gotta understand. Yeah, the central is like one. Of, the central's the division where we just have true. like the Very most. True. Very true. The Makes most sense. to get off our chest, so that's kind of why we're like that. Yeah. So I'm not even sorry. I'm just I'm fired up, but I'm also like I tip my cap to the Cardinals because they do everything right and they do it so under the radar that when it happens and it come out and strike, it's it's as cerebral as can be, and you're like, wow. Like still, when you just think they're out of it. They're right back in it, and it's every single year. Yep. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. That's how the Cardinals are. Well, hopefully we can, we can get you to calm down a little bit, Dre, since we're talking about your Pirates now. 
Um, 82 and 79 last year, 13 games out of first place. I'm just going to let you guys take this one like 100% because I know it's your thing. So you gave me the Red Sox. I'll give you the Pirates. Go. Great. I'll let you have the floor first. <laughs> uh, number one, I can't calm down. This is going to fire me up even more. I don't oh. understand how you uh, – first off, first off, let's look at this team. Uh, and I will be – I am one of their biggest fans. I have been my whole entire life. I'm also their harshest critic. And I feel like I can accurately judge this team with – and just te- – and, and be as unbiased as po- – and be as unbiased as possible. Uh, they're one through four rotation. Jameson Tyon, Trevor Williams, Chris Archer, Joe Musgrove. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, is the best top. It's the best four-man rotation in this division. Uh, I think Jameson Tyron could win a Cy Young as early as this year. Uh, he really turned it on last year after the after the deadline, and you saw him kind of take on that ace role, and he continued that into the offseason by being the vocal leader. Uh, you know, really participating with the media, and then also being the representative for labor negotiations. The Pirates went out and they acquired Chris Archer and Keon Killa to try and make sure they were going to compete. And then this offseason, what they did was they didn't go and add to the weakness that they have in their offense. Uh, you're counting on guys like who are good hitters but not great hitters, but you're counting on guys like Colin Moran to really kind of justify the scare Cole trade even more. Uh, I know they have Joe Musgrove and then Jason Martin in the minors who is waiting but we don't know exactly where he's going to fit because there isn't any holes in this outfield right now with Polanco, Dickerson, Marte. You're counting on a guy like Colin Moran to really give you something. And right now, Junko Gung is the starter, but he's hitting Joey Gallo numbers. You know, he hits a home run every – if he has 20 bats, he's going to hit five dingers, and all five of them are going to be homers. That's what he's doing right now. But for him to do that <laughs> – it's what it's the trajectory song. He might be the Chris Davis of our team, and I'm okay with that. If whoa, whoa! <laughs> don't be putting don't be putting that evil on us, Trey. If don't he hits that... forty homers, I'm okay with it. All right, don't put that evil what, on us. Do you have he... any idea how horrible Chris Davis is right now? What if he hits forty homers and hits for like one thirty? That's even worse because again, that's worse. That's worse than Joey Gallo. But you that's do, you do, Adam Don. I'm just saying, you just said you were okay with him hitting forty homers and. I was asking, what if he hits 40 homers and hits for 130? Then, again, big problem. Big problem. <laughs> if he's hitting 40 homers, he's not driving in any runs because he's batting well, He's batting 160. Yeah. You can't have that. You can't have that and compete in this division. But, yeah. you know, this is, a team that, this is a team that they're pitching as a whole, the bullpen and the starting pitching as a whole is the best in this division. But their offense is so suspect that I think that they can finish – I think they have a chance to finish second because the pitching's so good, but I'm not so I'm I'm really reluctant on the offense because you're expecting a lot from uh you're expect, you're expecting a lot from a guy like Corey Dickerson who kind of took a step back in power numbers. You're take you're expecting a guy like Tony Marte who is a free swinger and he can be so hot but then when he's cold it's so bad. And then you're expecting a guy like Josh Bell who really if Josh Bell plays up to his capabilities and this team will be fine. And I think he can hit his highest 300 driving 30, hundred RBIs. I think he's that good. I think he, and now that he's finally got a couple full seasons under him, it's going to be fun to see if he reaches development. But again, 
outside of him, they didn't really do nothing to strip up the shortstop position. They let guys, they let Jordy Mercer go, and he didn't get any better. Uh, they let a guy and Josh Harrison go, who, again, free swinger, but they're going to slide in Adam Frazier there, and I don't know how his defense is going to be. Offensively, he'll be fine. Top of the lineup, he's going to get on base, and you want that. That's how you want to start off a game. That's how you want to start off an inning. But I'm just nervous about the offense. And, again, pitching dominant, offense not so dominant. And it's a big question mark down in this year. Uh, I can see them finishing. I can see them finishing as high as second, but, again, as low as fifth, just because of the fact that this division is so deep. Malik? Well, <laughs> Dre basically kind of hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, this pitching staff is the probably from top, if you include rotation and both ends, it's the best in the central. Um, when you look at the offense, however, uh, they're banking on internal improvement from year to year. And honestly, that's not a bad scenario to me. Uh, I think one of the big issues that you have with this is that you're banking on Francisco Cervelli to continue his offensive production from last year, but we don't know if that's going to be the case because he had concussion issues last year and Elias Diaz did not play at all during the spring training because of his sickness. So you don't know what to expect from catching the start off the year. I think Josh Bell can have a much better year than he did last year. I think he was trying to pull the ball too much and that's what led to his downturn. Um, I think in terms of defense though, Adam Frazier is kind of, it's not an upgrade, but it's not a downgrade either. It's kind of like an even trade-off to me. Josh Harrison was 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 a splash play guy, but he wasn't the best defensive second baseman. I'm sorry. I'm going to be honest about that. That is um, fair. Very yeah. fair comparison. I think so. Very yeah. fair. I, I, I think this is a team that is going to remain somewhat the same as compared to last year. Not a lot of people thought that they were going to need two wins last year, and they surprised a lot of people. And – this year, you have a rotation that's in a much better situation. Uh, Chris Archer started to come on strong in September after he got traded. I think that a full year of tie-on and maybe see how Trevor Williams goes. I mean, second year with Trevor Williams was absolutely historic, you could argue, at some points. But we'll see how it goes with a full year. I, I don't think he's a dominant pitcher, but he's definitely in the same mold as Kyle Hendricks, where he's a guy that will try to get you ground ball outs. And that's something that can work with a defense that has – it's going to be built around Eric Gonzalez and Adam Frazier and Kevin Newman and, you know, Jung Ho Gung, who is right now probably a better defensive third baseman than Colin Moran. But Moran has really progressed during spring training to try to get himself up to that level. And right now, I think that they have what they need to be better. It's just getting it in. It's just essentially kind of repeating what they showed last year. I'll say this. I'll say this about the Pirates. Uh, and <laughs> Regarding regarding our regarding our uh, breakdown on the Brewers, how their identity is strictly offense. Uh, the Pirates, the best thing that they have going for them is that their clear identity is pitching, and the old adage goes, pitching trumps hitting every single time. So they have, not only do they have an identity, they have the right identity, and that's why I that's why I as a Pirates fan could be optimistic, and that's why all Pirates fans should be optimistic about why this team has a chance to turn some heads this year. Uh, like you said, uh, Malik, that last year a lot of people were picking them to utterly fail uh, to the point where some some people were picking them to lose 100 games. Uh, and then they just come around and shock everybody and finish over 500. Uh, what I'm mad about is the fact they didn't 
make the necessary add, added uh, additions to kind of, you know, build off of that. But if they believe that these, if they believe guys like Polanco can come back and be impactful, uh, a guy like Gung, who is now sober, can give them <laughs> the power that they need. It's a sad thing to say sober. on this podcast, but it's true. <laughs> it is true, but at the same time, you know, if he can give, if sober Gung is going to really carry this offense power-wise, RBI-wise, then I should be excited because I believe this pitching, I believe they got a chance every night with this pitching. They can go in and shut guys down no matter who we play. I have a, I have a question for both of you. <clears throat> okay. Um, both of you said that they, they have the best pitching rotation plus bullpen in the division. Yes. Where do you think that ranks? in the entirety of the major leagues. I think they have a top five rotation, to be honest. In the entirety of the major leagues, I, just to be safe, I'd say top 10. Uh, if I really broke it down, I can't, I can't go any further than 10. Uh, I just can't. Uh, they have, they have guys that are good, but they have guys that are also on an upward trajectory. They're not mm-hmm. there yet. They're not proven. Like, yeah, I'd take, I'd take the Mets rotation over them. I'd take the Nats rotation over them. I would take the Dodgers rotation over them. I would take the Red Sox over them and maybe the Yankees. And yeah, I would definitely take the Yankees. That's where – and that, I think they fall more – I don't think they fall closer to 10. I think they call, fall closer to 5 for me than 10 in terms of where they rank in all of Major League Baseball. You think the Yankees have a top 5 rotation? Have you? No, no, we're talking entire pitching stuff. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I oh, I, I thought you were talking. <laughs> I thought you were talking rotation. No, in I'm terms thinking of Major League Baseball. Then yes, they have a top five pitching staff okay. in baseball. Okay. That's what I was curious about. I mean, like you just look at their pitching, and it's obviously the strength of their team. But like, you look in regards to the entire league, and I think I feel like they have one of the best like pitching groups in the entire league. Um, from just from back to front. It's lights out pretty much, and like if you yes. get, if you get every guy on their best day, like it's like I don't see them losing honestly, and I think they had that towards the in the second half of the season last year. I mean, Malik, you talked about Trevor Williams a little bit. I'm pretty sure he was the best pitcher in the second half of the season last year, ERA wise. Yeah, yes. him, him and JMO actually finished like almost neck and neck compared to their second half. So it really it's up where I'm interested to see how Trevor Williams kind of bounces back from this year because it's consistency. That's always been a big problem with him. But yeah. I think he has the ability to do it, especially when you have a rotation that you can kind of help pick up the slack in a bullpen mm-hmm. that can aid you in times of need. I think it could work out for him. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I, think, I'm like, I think you guys have a lot to be excited about. Um, I said it all off season though. I think you guys are still missing a bat. So hopefully Jung Ho Kong can step up this year for you guys. Um, yes. And but- the, the big, the big, to finish up, the biggest thing, so I know we hit on every single team, uh, if the Pirates do need to go out and get a bat, uh, honestly, trade anybody not named to Brian Hayes, and I'm okay with that. If they can somehow also keep O'Neill Cruz, I would be completely fine with that because those are two of the top three prospects that they have. See, Brian, no, no, I would much rather keep Cole Tucker over uh, O'Neill Cruz. Well, Cole Tucker, Cole Tucker, Cole Tucker does project more as a true shortstop, but I think O'Neill Cruz to me impacts. Uh, he projects more as an impact bat. Uh, I, I don't see him. I don't see him sticking his short. I see him moving to the outfield. 
Oh, absolutely. I'm right there with you. It kind of bums me out that they're not, that Larry Broadway even said that they're not willing to move him to the outfield just yet because they want to wait until he fails at shortstop. But at the same time, as long as his back continues to progress, he's going to be a huge piece for them. Yes. And the good thing about them, the good thing about O'Neill Cruz is that uh, Major League Baseball is trending in the direction of having a DH. And if he projects as a bad de- defender and as a designated hitter, as he continues to grow into his body and add more weight to that six foot six frame. Uh, if he's a DH, I have so much faith in that bat that I would stick him in there every day and not bench him at all. But if they can go out, if they need to go out and acquire those pieces, I'm completely just don't sell him. Don't sell Cabrian Hayes. Yeah. Hayes is going to be a third baseman here for the next 10 years, probably. Yes. They're already saying that he's a gold glove type defender and he will challenge Nolan Arenado for that crown once he hits uh, once he hits the hot corner. Uh, another question: uh, If the Pirates were to go out and get someone this off season, or to get someone this season to bring in, who would it be? Who would you like to see them bring in in a trade? It's tough for me to say right now because it depends on who falls out of um, playoff contention because more times than not, it's going to be based around who is having a rough season and who's realizing, okay, let's start selling some pieces off and then go after it next year. So uh, I'm not ready to make that case just yet. Uh, If I can make a case for anybody, it's a team that I think is in dire need of a a rebuild and more of an accelerated rebuild. I would look directly at Detroit Tigers and try to get Nick Castellanos. just because I know Detroit's not going anywhere anytime soon, but they're on the cusp of being there with guys like Casey Mize waiting in the wings. You know, he's still a year or two out, but you know, if you can if you can get Nick Castellanos for a good package of, you know, I uh, will say like Travis Swaggerty, uh, their first round pick from last year, if he's headlining that deal, uh, I'm okay with that. They might ask for Mitch Keller, and honestly, I would be completely okay with it just for the fact that uh, I think they have enough depth in the pitching in the pitching ranks there and the rotation and in the pen to uh, kind of, you know, let a prospect like Mitch Keller go. But they would need a hole in the outfield in order to get Cassie Lannis, which they don't have. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, now that we've talked about the Pirates, there's only one team remaining in the NL Central, and they were somewhat of a, a welcome – rag last year um they finished 69 or 67 and 95 sorry 28 and a half games out of first place the cincinnati reds they have made a few additions this offseason including sunny gray uh yasio puig matt kemp guys what are you thinking this is one of the most interesting teams in all of baseball um <laughs> yeah the, the Reds are kind of – they follow the Cardinals' model when it comes to um, drafting and developing and kind of sustaining it. And, I mean, a couple of years ago they had a, a deep team that got them very close to an NL Central and a pennant, but the difference is, is that they are not able to sustain it. And it's really unfortunate because they have probably one of the better hitters of our generation in Joey Votto. Um, Votto is someone that – is, you know, he's dying in Cincinnati. Uh, he's, but he's probably, honestly, he's going to be a Cincinnati Red for life, to, to, be quite, to be quite honest, and as he should be. Um, looking at this team, though, this is a very, very just a weird mix of underrated talent. 
uh, Jesse Winker, uh, Scott Schiebler, Jose Peraza. I like Eugenio Suarez a lot. And I tr- I think Rossiel Iglesias is probably going to be the hot commodity going on to the trade market for relief pitching this year. Uh, this is a guy who could add some real nice firepower to any back of the bullpen. But I, for the life of me, do not trust this rotation at all. Uh, Sonny Gray has had trouble staying healthy lately. Um I'm not really crazy about Tanner Rourke. Uh, This is not something that really, you know, kind of gets me excited if I'm a Reds fan. And Yasiel Puig is just, he's, he's a, I don't know what to describe Yasiel Puig. It's like, this is a guy that when he is hot, I mean, my God, he could arguably be a top five player in baseball when he's hot, but more times than not, I mean, he is just, he's just a, freaking goofball um sorry, I, sorry to interrupt you real quick but did you see the video of him the other day where he like just like was on his like hands and knees and he like he didn't even have to move <laughs> for the fly ball <laughs> and he like last second like, just stands up like that's the ball and... right like that stuff i'm talking about like in terms of athleticism this guy's amazing but like he's just a freaking goofball that's hard to take him seriously and i, I think he's gonna be fun to see play i'm actually very excited that he's a red because i can go watch him play at pnc park more often but I, if I'm a Reds fan, I'm cautiously optimistic. I feel like this could be a this could be a boom if everything goes right, but this could also be a massive bust if it goes wrong. Yeah, and their expectations aren't that high. Uh, they aren't as high as ours for starters. I know they just made those these crazy moves, but they kind of they kind of were dumped on them to get rid of the Homer Bailey contract, who is now in L.A. Uh, he was part of that yes, yeah, Puig deal. Uh, Puig, Kemp, and Alex Wood, I believe, were in return. Yeah, and Matt Kemp is also weird, too. I don't even know yeah. when he's going to get playing time because he's not a center fielder. They're not going to put him in right field. And, you, I mean, I'm pretty sure they like Jesse Winker. Plus, they want to save some room for when Nick Zenzel comes up. So, it's like, yeah. I don't know what to do with Kemp. And they're, they're grooming Zenzel to be their center fielder uh, because he doesn't have a position in field. They really like Scooter Jeanette. Uh, and there's no reason not to like Scooter Jeanette. Uh, watching him last year, he kind of yeah. – I don't know how the Brewers let him go, but which the central thing makes no mistake. sense to me. The central thing makes no sense to me because I really think he, when he was drafted as a third baseman, I think he had the potential to be a solid third baseman. I, I don't get the fascination. I don't. I truly think Eugenio Suarez will probably be gone in a couple of years anyway, so I don't get why they're trying to move him to center field. But I can understand it if the whole concept is to get him now. Yeah, and I think that's really what they're trying to do. They're just trying to get him in in the lineup, and that's the best way to do it because. A uh, guy that they're waiting for in Taylor Trammell, who was their yeah. second best prospect. He's just not ready. Uh, and that's just being plain and simple. But who is ready is Nick Sensel. And Nick Sensel will, when he comes up, will be one of the most exciting prospects to watch. Not named Vlad Jr. Uh, but <laughs> right, right, right now they don't have a place for him because Suarez is a major league hitter. He can't take him out of the lineup. Uh, and I know Scooter Jeanette just got hurt, but what you're going to do is, you know, you're possibly. You know, you can't you can't have Sensel up there and then send him back down whenever Jeanette's ready because that's Jeanette's position. Uh, you can't get a cup, you can't get him comfortable at second, especially if you're trying to get in the lineup in the outfield. So you know, it's just a, it's a weird it's a weird dynamic what they're doing there. But at the same time, again, boom or bust. Uh, a guy I do like, a guy I'm excited for uh, outside of Yasiel Puig is uh, Luis Castillo. They named him as their everyday center, or is their uh, opening day starter. And, you know, he got some stuff, you know, last year. Uh, last year he came – did he come in? No? Yeah. 
Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, he was in the league last year, and you know he's oh, he got some stuff, but he you know again he's trying to kind of find his way. And for him to get the opening day nod just says well, all you need to know with about their pitching because a guy like Sonny Gray who comes with uh, pedigree isn't even considered for the top of the rotation spot. It's Luis Castillo. You know, been in the league two years. It's a big third year for him. And I know that they're waiting on their former first-round pick, Hunter Green, to kind of be a, to kind of come up and take over that ace role for them. He's but nowhere the meantime, near ready. <laughs> yes, he's not. He's not. But you know, if you're trying to develop a, if you're trying to build a team to compete in this division, because of how deep it is, uh, you need to see what you have in a guy like Luis Castillo. So if you can get a, if you can get a number two, I don't care if you can get a guy like Castillo who can you can rely on as a number two starter. Uh, you know, that's wonderful. That's a win. So, uh, you know, it, I think that I think that they're going to finish in fifth in this division. Uh, again, any pitcher, any pitcher on the Reds is cursed when you got to play 82 games in Great American Ballpark. Uh, I know I just praise Luis Castillo, but again, playing there 82 games isn't going to be good. Uh, I do want to say this about Joey Votto. Uh, I saw this crazy, and I'm going to try to find it here. I saw this crazy Joey Votto stat that he has, since 2014, he has 500 walks and 489 strikeouts. And he's one, and the next, the next, the next closest player, again, I can't find a stat, but I'll, it's off the top of my head. The next closest player has 89 walks and like 77 strikeouts, which is absurd when you talk about how often this guy strikes out compared to walks. When you walk more times than you strike out, it should be a win. When you do that on a consistent basis, you really got to tip your cap. He's one of the he's one of the best hitters ever. That's an elite level patience right there. Yeah. Yes. And he does it. He does it in the most unorthodox way possible. Uh, in terms of when he gets uh, when he gets a two strike approach, he chokes up on the bat at least five inches, and he will slap that ball wherever it needs to go. But you know to get that bat speed rolling around. But I've never seen anything like it. It's awesome. It really is. It's crazy. Month. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't find the stat anywhere, guys. I'm sorry. I want to get the exact numbers. <laughs> sorry, man. Sorry. Right. Dre, you talked. Dre, you talked enough, man. You're good. Don't worry about it. I was very, I was very ranty today, but you know it's the central. I'm excited. We got baseball in two days. Why not, man? Let it fly. Day. Um. So just to kind of close out, uh, winners. Who do you got? Division winner. Who do you got? I got the Cardinals. Uh, again, Paul Goldschmidt, double magic. Uh, Jack Flaherty, Cy Young, probably will happen. Uh, but I will. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be crazy here. I'm gonna say the Pirates are gonna finish second in this division, and they're gonna compete for a wild card. Uh, I think the Cubs are just all. I think they're too much drama. I don't know why. I just feel like that they. I feel like they're not gonna live up to expectations that they put on themselves, and it's. It's just gonna. It's it's just not good. I saw a projection where they're projected to finish eighty and eighty-two. Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> it it that's is complete bullshit. It, <laughs> it is because they're so much more talented than that. But you know, uh, there's gonna be some type of truth behind something so, like that. You know, and I can see that. I I go like this. 
I go Cardinals one, Pirates two, Cubs three, Brewers four, Reds five. Okay. Malik? I, during my preview, had said that when the Cubs are healthy, they are usually the division winners. They have the depth. But to be honest with you, I, I think the Cardinals are coming up strong. They're on a mission. I think Ozuna is going to have a bounce back here. Cole Schmidt is probably a contender for MVP. And the rotation is underratedly deep. Underratedly deep. Uh, you know, I didn't even get a chance to break down about this, but Alex Reyes is back this year. And this is a guy oh, yeah. who was, top, he was a top prospect last year. He's a guy that they have high hopes for, and I think he could have a he could be a dark horse rookie of the year candidate. So, I will say Cardinals one, um, Cubs two, Pirates three, Brewers four, Reds five. I just right. don't I just don't see the Brewers having as great of a run as they did last year. I really don't, I don't <clears throat> trust that pitching staff at all. Yeah. Um. How many wild card teams do you think come from the Central? One. One. Uh, I'm gonna say one, but it could definitely be none. Uh, bottom line, it's, it's it's weird, but there's you have the Rockies in the West, and then you can make a case for four teams in the East. And with us talking about this being the best division in baseball, uh, it's gonna be tough to win games in this division, and then also compete with the teams outside of this division. Uh, so I could I'll say one because of the talent, but. If it's not, I wouldn't even be surprised. All right. Well, that's kind of all we could go. Also, to finish up, I found the Joey Votto stat. <laughs> all right. What is all right. <laughs> all right. Since 2014, players with more walks than strikeouts. Joey Votto, 540 walks, 488 strikeouts. Jesus Christ. Number two, Zach Granite. Never heard of him in my life. Neither have I. Twelve blocks, nine strikeouts. Oh my god! Holy cow! Holy cow! So, so no one is even close to the Joey Votto ratio of more walks to strikeouts. Not even the great Mike Trout. That's crazy. Yeah, he's a lifetime and red. Lifetime the only, red. The only player on this list that any any of us will know is Niger Morgan, with seven walks, six strikeouts since 2014, and then there are 14 players. With one walk and two strikeouts. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> that's that's like that's an article worthy stat right there, Gray. Yes, it is. It is probably the best stat I've seen this offseason. Oh my god. I might Outside have to, of the Mike Trout contract. I might have to that's steal pretty that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is all we have time for tonight, guys. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Heart of the Order. I'm Greg McAfee for Greg Malik and Dre Fry. Opening day is two days away. Make sure to tune in. Um, I, I wrote an article earlier today about the uh, opening day schedule. Make sure to check it out on thoughtsfromthebench.com. Guys, any shameless plugs to end it up? Uh, stay tuned for Two Beers Deep. We just recorded our podcast on Monday and our live show on Thursday. While you are watching uh, some opening day action, uh, give us a watch on Facebook. Uh. Root, root, root for our home team because it's a Pirates <laughs> generation and everybody shout, let's, let's go, Fox. <laughs> Thanks for joining yeah, us, guys. Baby. You guys want to say bye? Later. Root, root, root. Peace out.